Tim, are you ready, sir? I'm, I'm ready to go. Good. Ryan, do we need to clap or anything on that technical nah, stuff? No, that's fine. Yes. All right. So this is for Clementine and Otis. So shout out to the rad humans at Kingpin Skate Supply. Kingpin is skater-owned and skater-run. They only stock carefully selected brands of shoes, clothing, and skate products. You get all the big shoe brands. They've got all the best, you know, skate deck hardware and brands. But, um, you know... Also, they have some rad boutique brands such as Australian companies Passport and Butter Goods. Like, I love those kind of stuff. It's so rad. So, go to kingpinstore.com. That's K I N G P I N S T O R E.com. And if you use the THT code at checkout, you will get a discount and it's fast shipping worldwide. So, support local and support skateboarding. Next up, CBD products by Crush Organics, man. I love this stuff. It's done so much for me in so many different ways. You know, I'm a pretty active sort of guy. I like to skate a lot and surf. And um, the CBD has really helped me with like muscle soreness, joint soreness and pain. But it's also really helped reduce my levels of stress and anxiety, I've noticed. Um, and just really helping me sleep like an absolute champion. It's all natural. It is derived from cannabis, but there's no THC in, in um, the CBD products. And so there's, there's no psychoactive property. They are fully legal in Australia. So get on to crushorganics.com. That's K-R-U-S-H-O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S.com. Use the THT code at checkout. And yes, it's an epic 40% discount. Everyone I know that uses it is stoked on that because it dramatically reduces the price. So get on it. (sighs) Sponsorship read done, boys. Let's go. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Today's guest is Tim Conan. Tim is a father, skateboarder, rad human, and a welfare and social work professional. We talked about this at the start. Tim likes that. He's, he's okay with that title. Tim, Tim brings a positive vibe to all situations, in my opinion. And at age 45 years young, Tim, Tim skates with more enthusiasm than most groms. And today he's with me to share his journey, experiences, challenges, and hopes for the future. Mr. Tim Conan, welcome. Oh, dude. What an absolute honor dude. to be on Terrible Happy Talks with you, Shan. Thanks, and, uh, and my good homie, the big man himself. Good to see you, Tim. Yep. So and nice I'll, yeah, sorry, Ryan, I, didn't, I was about to introduce you, no, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> and a shout out to past guest, filmer, photographer, and this week's special guest co-host, Mr. Ryan Grant. Good afternoon, boys. Dude, I'm so stoked to have you. It's good to be Thank here. Thank you. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. The yeah. master lensman. <laughs> he is. Have you, have you been observing Ryan's work over the years? Uh, how can you not? It yeah. uh, captures uh, images so well. He's actually he's got a couple of me. He's made me look good. And that's, uh, that's not hard. That's not easy to do. Stop it's not hard. That's right. It's easy to do. <laughs> you got it wrong. Stop it. You look great on a skateboard. He does. Why, why skateboarding for you, Tim? What is it? Oh, why? No, why? 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 Why anything else? I love skateboarding so much. I think that you guys have uh, been around me a little bit and can tell that I get uh, 
my endorphins exploding <laughs> when I get on a skateboard. Even just rolling away from the dumbest little trick, just you know, nothing's such dumb. A rush. Yeah, nothing's dumb. Yeah. Uh, well, what, some finicky little silly things could just absolutely send me into a state of euphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. It's a, it's it's you know I've never done crack, but I am that skateboarding <laughs> is my crack. <laughs> Dude, natural high. Yeah, it's yeah, it. yeah. I just love it. It's my it's my um, self care too. It's a thing which really brings me back to being a better person. I think uh, you know when we get grumpy or when we get stressed out or anything like that, going for a roll for an hour uh, just puts me in such a good headspace. I love it. I, I, sorry, I did make reference to your age in the bio, um, but, you know, as, a, as someone who is in their 40s and still skateboarding regularly, like how has the actual activity changed for you over the years? H- how are you approaching it now compared to when you were younger? Uh, I've got more money now so I can buy all the gear that I want. Uh, and, um, so that's pretty cool. As a, as a kid growing up, it was always on beaten up secondhand boards, which were really chipped out and soggy and, uh, waiting for my mates who had more money to like, to get sick of their wheels so I could get their wheels, like bearings, which didn't turn all that kind of stuff. So I love having been able to sort of go, you know what? I don't need to buy blanks anymore. I'm going to buy the stuff I really like. So that's kind of cool. Um, I think I'm better at skating now than I was in my, in my 20s, to be honest. Like I think I'm, I've got a bigger bag of tricks now than I had in my 20s, especially like in mini ramps and stuff like that because I, prob- I probably skated more street back then and mm. did bigger gaps and, well, I don't do any gaps now because my rickety old limbs can't, can't take it. <laughs> Um, and I could definitely ollie a lot bigger. Like I find it hard to levitate these days. Mm. But um, I don't know. I think I'm having more fun now in my 40s, 45. Uh, and I have a sort of – I think my style has adapted to something that is a bit more uniquely me uh, than me just trying to do whatever I saw on videos when I was a kid. Wow, man. Do you think it's because you're more comfortable with who you are? Mm, well, we went deep quick. Sorry, here. I just thought Dude. it just. Uh, I know I feel that way, but I, yeah, no, that's a pretty good reflection, actually. I think that when it comes to skateboarding, I don't care what other people mm. think anymore. And whereas, like, probably as a younger person, you'd rock up to a skate park and oh, I don't want to try things that are gonna like just look dumb. But now I like look at obstacles. And I just go like, eh, what can I do? What might I be able to do? Mm. And then uh, I just go with it and don't care. I, I, whenever I like have a slam these days, um, which you know, it's generally quite small slams, I, I laugh my I laugh my ass off because it's like, <laughs> like look at me, I'm just falling over and being being a <laughs> being a dick, and and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a gift of being older. You don't have to worry about peer group pressure anymore. You just you stop giving a fuck. About yep. what other people think. It's such a gift. Because <laughs> I did, I, I cared for many years. And I still do care to a degree, but not like I used to. Mm. Nice. Mm. I was talking to uh, Dwayne at Burke's the other day. We, was, we had the whole place to ourselves. It was rad. How often does that and, Oh, it was amazing. And we talked about how, um, you know, people that cheer at skate parks for other people and like bang their board for a stranger when they do a trick. It might be a kid doing their first drop-in for the first time or something like that. And... 
that gets me really hyped. Mm. I get really stoked when I see somebody just pushing their limit and, um, you know, and feeling that joy that they get for, for in that trick, that in that moment that they've done. And um, about how, like, a lot of people are just too cool and uh, they'll, you know, someone will bust out a massive, amazing trick and the whole skate park will be quiet except for this old guy here, like, <laughs> pumping his fist and going, oh, whoa, that was incredible. And, like, people looking around going, oh, man, is that guy drugs? What's, what's, what's wrong with him? <laughs> totally high on life. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, I, I don't ever stop that. I think it's so important. Don't think I could if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I actually got it the other day. Like a kid, a younger kid did a trick at Mavs and I clapped him and then all these little crew that were sitting on the lounges mock clapped me, right? <laughs> and I think that, I don't think they were deliberately being disrespectful, but I think they were kind of like, just like a bit surprised that I was clapping. Mm. So they all went, you know, so I don't know, mm. clap. And it annoys me in the surf when I surf. Someone will get a rad wave and, and no one will even acknowledge it. It's like, oh, don't even, you know, acknowledge that. It's not cool. Mm. But I'll be like, dude, I don't know who you are, but that was rad. Nice wave. I think it's all right to appreciate other humans doing cool stuff and enjoying their lives, you know. I love seeing that. I love seeing other people achieve and have fun. Has that been a part of your personality for as long as you can remember? Um... I think I've always wanted to see other people do well. And the world isn't fair. The world's not a fair place. Uh, so I think when you see people who have struggled and then they really achieve something and do well, that's something which um, makes me feel good. Like, so, you know, when you see some of those kids at the skate park and they've got like raggedy old boards and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe this is a reflection of my own youth, but I like to like sling them my, my boards because... <clears throat> Don't think I've, uh, don't think I've snapped a board uh, in about I don't know maybe ten years, uh, just because I don't do anything big. But I think that that's really good, and that's why oh, flexing boards is something which really gets on my nerves when I see pros like do a great trick and then flex their board as their celebration. I'm thinking, man, that could go to any one of those twenty kids sitting on that ledge watching you do that, and that would be their treasure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's a bit of a um, a privilege uh, to have free boards and then, you know, not share them around. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I think it's just a weird... Like a waste. Like I can see why... I know why they do it. It's like, oh, this is so good and I've done it and I'm out, you know. Yeah. But it's like, oh, how good is... You know, then they need to get another fresh board and set all that up and it's like, oh, man. I could... I just would never do that. You mentioned... You just used this statement, the world's not a fair place. Um, and I don't disagree with you. However, in the line of work that you do, are you often exposed to the dark side of humanity? Uh, I well, I think the dark side of humanity is a is a kind of a it's a fairly decorative term. People are, in my understanding of the world, people are always trying to do the best they can with what they've got. People want, uh, are trying to get along just like you and me. Maybe their actions, they don't uh, see the impact and the, uh, that it has on other people um, because of whatever's going in, on in their own heads. But it's not a, we don't all start off in the same place. People don't all start off and sort of go like, it's not a level playing field. Um, so for some people who are doing things which hurt other people or um, 
make other people like judge them. I think it's really, you need to be very cautious about what is good and what is bad. Um, there's this great quote from a Canadian social worker activist and she says, um, all behavior makes sense if you know the context. Mm. So I think that instead of judging people, we just need to figure out what's going on behind that. Empathy? That's the key. You know, mm. Empathy is, uh, man, I could quote all kinds of people because I, I do this in my work. Mm. But yeah, empathy is a thing called, the, they call, uh, you can use the term, empathy is the antidote to shame. Uh, any Brene Brown fans out there would know that um, that's uh, she did a lot of work around shame and uh, empathy. If you try to understand what's going on, uh, on for other people, you know what they're going through. Um, you know you'll you just you probably won't judge them as harshly. So empathy is the antidote to shame. So effectively, like, empathy is like the cure to shame, and it sort of implies that shame is a very destructive force. Is that, what you, is that what it's sort of implying? Yeah, and we all feel shame and we all feel embarrassed at times and th- that really gets in the way of us being the best that we can be. Um, so when people show us empathy, they don't sort of try to fix stuff all the time. They don't try to fix everything, uh, but they just try to feel what you're feeling and you know try to um, be there and listen and uh, yeah, just try to understand what's happening for you as opposed to trying to fix it or or judging you. I think that that's a way that humans should uh, move towards that. Can you give us a description of what your actual job title is and what you do on a day-to-day basis in your work? Yeah, look, I've got, a, I've got an amazing job. Um, my new title, it sounds kind of fancy. It's called a, a practice framework consultant. And uh, I, work for, I work for people who've probably heard of docs or facts. Um, so I work for a part of that which is more based around training just for those that are in other countries that may not be familiar with those acronyms, like uh, what are DOCS and FACTS? So uh, child protection and working for, with kids who are in foster care, out of home care, so not being able to live with their mums and dads. Uh, and child protection is really around, like, say, if things are happening in a child's life that makes them not safe, uh, then um, there's a government agency that tries to help them out to try to make them safer or, um, you know, tries to work with the families to make things better. So cool that you do that, man. Do, like, how long have you been doing it for? How many years? Um, about 20 years now, I would say. Yeah, I started, like, doing a lot more direct work with children and families. Um, and uh, now I've sort of moved into, I was in management, and then I sort of moved towards this more uh, training kind of thing, which I, I really like. Like training other professionals to do the job? Yeah, yeah, I work with like uh, people who are doing that um, work directly with children and families and uh, their managers and yeah, developing training programs. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. I like the the thing is like you want to tune into being able to know what is the impact of my work. Is it making changes mm. for children and families? Because you can do one to one with a, a family or maybe I'm thinking about my circle of influence could be um, a little bit greater if I can help other caseworkers or other managers be making different types of um, decisions for children. I, I mean, it's amazing and I guess like that's your contribution to society in, in, a, in a way. It's like got a lot of purpose to it. Is that how you feel when you do your job? 
a lot of the time I feel that it is really um, – I get a lot of energy doing it. Uh, I mean, it can be quite deflating when you see that things aren't changing as much as you'd like them to. There's still so many Aboriginal children being taken away from their families. Uh, it's, it, it's not getting much better or not, not, not getting better quick enough. Um, and uh, so they're, just because Aboriginal families are over-policed, uh, there's a lot more focus and pressure on them than like white families or culturally, linguistically diverse families. And um, there's a lot of system stuff which gets in the way of change happening. So I guess I like to try to be a bit of an, uh, an advocate activist to, to try to get the systems changed a bit as well uh, because without a good system, um, you know, the people trying to do good work are constantly mm. going to be butting up against that. Yeah, so th- like, so that was actually one of my questions, like a legit question I wrote down, like, because you're effectively working on the ground level, you know, you're with the people. Like, what are some of the, like, the, the changes that you feel like you need to see in government policy to create more equity? Is that too big well, a question? Uh, look, dude, it's a, like there is so much that could be done differently. Um, Can you give us an example? Well, there's been lots of different, uh, um, you know, royal commissions and stuff into child sexual abuse inst- in institutions, uh, all the stuff that happened around uh, abuse of kids with disabilities. Um, you know, it's about <laughs> the, the, the studies have been done. It's about implementing those recommendations and putting money behind it. There are like... A, I, I, I take my hat off to all the people who work in um, my industry. They're all there for the right reasons. They're all there to try to make children and families' lives better. Um, how they go about it can sometimes um, be a bit ill-informed or uh, they're just... But most people are not resourced enough to do it, you know. People having to work with, like, up to, I don't know, like 10... 15 families at one time. Like cases, like casework. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't like to call children or families cases because it okay. just... But, yeah, to work with those families or those children, like they don't have enough hours in the day to get everything done. There's a lot of, um, like, administrative tasks that go along with it, which have to be done, all really important, but it's just they don't have enough time to do all the work that they'd like to do. That causes a thing called spiritual pain or ethical pain for a lot of people, and that's why a lot of people don't... They don't last very long in doing child protection. Yeah, man. Just it hurts their brains. Like, do you think it can be quite traumatic at times when you hear certain stories? Or see... De- definitely. Or see, you know, neglect? Oh, look, yeah. Look, it's, it's horrific what happens for children, but nobody wakes up in the morning and decides no parent wakes up in the morning and goes i'm going i'm deliberately going to uh neglect my children or hurt my children um i mean apart from sexual abuse which is a pretty heavy sort of topic it's none of that stuff is really intentional the way they hurt children um so uh i don't like to treat parents or people that um uh not giving children what they need as like the bad guys it's not a shouldn't be adversarial um, it should be about like what can we do together to get rid of the barriers that are stopping you being, a, a, you know, a good parent. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, well, what's what's leading to these behaviours and actions? Like, what do you think are the main contributors to neglect of children? I mean, I mean, obviously, I think financial strain would be obvi- an obvious one, but 
Can we dig a little bit deeper than that? Yeah, yeah. Look, poverty is a, a massive one. And you're thinking about intergenerational stuff too. So uh, people, like thinking about stolen generations, you know, Aboriginal people yeah. had their children taken away from them for very little reason, no reason. And then these children grew up in institutions where they were, where they were abused and then go out to be mums and dads. How, where, where do you learn to be a mum and dad from? Mm. Learn it from your mum and dad. So those generations, and then if they haven't um, learnt those skills and there's a lot of trauma and stress, what do you do? What, what do a lot of people do when they've got a lot of trauma in their lives? They try to reduce that trauma, maybe drugs. Uh, thinking about um, mental health and disabilities, all of these things when they get all woven into um, stuff. That's what I'm talking about, the context. When you start to understand the context a bit more, it means you can create like the supports to reduce those barriers to people doing a good job as a mum or a dad. Wow, man. I feel like so much comes back to childhood trauma in our society. Would you agree? Well, it, it's a, a super important part of your development. Like, uh, I don't know if you've heard about attachment theory or anything like that. So I, I have, like, vaguely. Would, yeah. Can, so can it's a, so recap it? So there's a thing called your in, internal uh, worldview. Um, and that gets developed in the first three years of your life. So you learn from the responses that you get from your primary caregivers, your mum, your dad, your auntie, your uncle, grandma, whoever the people who are close to you and are teaching you. And they can either teach you that the world is safe and uh, that you can go off and explore and have adventures and hurt yourself and get looked after, um, you know, that, that things will be all right and that there's going to be someone there to look after you. Or you can learn that the world is a scary place and that you're going to have to look after yourself because nobody's going to come when you cry. Um, you're going to be hungry sometimes um, and all of those kind of stuff. So those first three years are really important for developing your, your brain structure. Am I getting too social no, worky? dude. Uh, social work. Please. <laughs> this is amazing. Don't stop. Oh, yeah. Because oh, uh, this is part of, my, part of my job. I teach, a, I teach at uni as well and um, at Wollongong Uni in the social work course. And it's, love it because I... As I, a tutor or lecture? lecture? Uh, just as a tutor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just my, as a tutor. My brain ain't, my brain ain't that big. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, that, those first three years of life are essential for children and the experience that they have there helps to shape the rest of what their life is going to be like essentially because without the fundamental brain structures get developed in that time and they learn, is the world safe? Can I explore and do stuff? Um, is the world not safe? Do I need to always be on guard and protecting myself? So, yeah, it's really important. Okay. Here's the question. How do you fix that? Uh, well, that's the great word, isn't it? Resilience is a buzzword, yeah? But you guys it, heard about resilience, bouncing back? Can it be mm-hmm. fixed? Can people, can people unchange that? It's a long and difficult process for things to come back to a, I guess, you know, we talked about that there isn't a level playing field, so to come back. Um, yes, the thing is, that can really help with that is um, having loving, stable people and relationships in your life. It's all about the relationships that you have and uh, having somebody to support you through difficult times. But um, it, it's like unlearning. It's a bit unlearn, unlearning. unlearning that the world is not a safe place. That takes a lot of effort and time. Amazing, dude. Like, I just think that you sort of said, oh, it's just too social worky. But I just really think that, you know, this is the information that people need to hear. Like, we need to be talking about this stuff and create empathy through, you know, sharing knowledge and experience. Would you agree? Oh, look, I hope so. And I know I come from a massive 
place of white privilege where I've been lucky to have good education and my parents were, you know, pretty good. They did a, they did a pretty good job with me and my, my brother and sisters. Um, but, you know, nobody's perfect. And I think that one of the things I've learned is to have a bit more empathy for my parents and their context and struggle when I was a kid and go like, oh, you know what? Now I'm a parent myself. I'd be like, oh, that was, would have, I would have been really annoying. I would have been so annoying. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, you you looked after me and, and, and uh, you know, didn't put me out with the bins. <laughs> they wouldn't do that. No. I love you, mum and dad. Yeah. But, I mean, you just said then I, you acknowledge your white privilege. I mean, I think it's also important to acknowledge that you shouldn't be ashamed of that either. I mean, that's just, you know, the cards you were you were dealt. And, yes, it's it may be better than other people's cards, but it just, it is what it is. But I think it's still, the fact that you acknowledge it, then maybe use what you have to support others. And if you have more than you need in life, give. I, I don't know. Like, I just think that's something that people no. don't consider. No, that's a good point. And I don't, I don't feel shame about my privilege, but Great. I do feel a responsibility. Okay. I feel a responsibility uh, to use my opportunity to make a bit of a difference for other people who are going to make their lives um, a bit better than, you know, that, that is, that's kind of my job, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, the world isn't fair. The world isn't fair. Dude, 20 years though, in that sector. I never thought I would do child protection work. Mm. Uh, I went to the UK where I met my, my wife, who, who is amazing, uh, and um, I was thought, oh, I'll get this, this job here. I won't have to do it for long. It's child protection, uh, looking after kids, and saw some stuff, and it really messed with my head a lot. So I going, oh, I can't believe that you know, children's lives can be like this. Um, but then now I don't know that I could do anything else I've, because it's become something which is, I don't know, a part of me now. Dude. Oh, no. I just think it's so impressive. Man. It's very impressive. It's, it's more impressive to me because I've only ever really known Skater Tim. Mm. And Skater Tim's a frothing grom at the skate park <laughs> and super happy all the time. But I think personally I'm a lot more emotionally fragile than you because I think if I was faced with some of the stuff that you're faced with on a daily basis, I'd be a re- an emotional wreck. My question to you is... I'll, I'll give you a hug, man. It's cool. well, <laughs> my question to you is, like, how do you, how do you, how do you support yourself? Um, aside from skating, like... Dude, I'm, I'm lucky. I've got, like, great friends. I've got you guys. I got... Um, uh, I love being a dad... And uh, that gives me a really good, strong sense of purpose. Yeah. Hanging out with my little boy, Griff, up at the moto track today was Rad. really fun. He's, uh, he's frothing over that. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got an excellent, uh, very intelligent daughter who's always challenging me. She's got a really sharp wit. Burns me. Burns <laughs> me on a daily basis. That's so good. Yeah. So I think it's the relationships in my life which really soothe my soul I guess and balance that um, I I think you still got to recharge your batteries in a few different ways uh, there's an oh, get, I'm getting a bit more social worky here Great. there's a guy called Eric Erickson he's got this life stage theory and the life stage that I'm at it's um, there's crises at every life stage it's called uh, generativity or stagnation I've never heard of this yeah oh Google him 
Eric Erickson, Life Stage Theory. Anyway, um, so when you don't feel you're doing something purposeful in your life, like everything else feels a bit harder. So it's like you have to have something which gives your life some purpose so that you feel um, a bit more worth, mm. worthy, like, like you have value and worth. So, yeah, finding those kinds of things. But, um, I mean, look, skating is my primary form of uh, self-care and relaxation and... And yeah, I love it. That's love right. it. Love watching Thrasher clips every day. Like you know, can't believe how much freaking content is coming out oh, all dude, the time. Stop it. It's like it's turning me into having a twelve-second uh, attention span when it comes to <laughs> stuff. Like somebody be like, "Oh man, this 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 part like thirty seconds long. Can't watch it. I just watch the first three tricks and then I'm done." So, dude, it's just it's overwhelming. Hey, Ryan, it is overwhelming. Yeah. It's um, do you? How much time do you set yourself to to watch things like that? You said you got a short attention span. Do you go, I'm going to, this is my hour, I'm going to watch as much as I can. Or you just... I, I tend to not, I tend to, tend to try not to see, watch anything like in, like throughout the day. Mm. And then once, you know, uh, the kids are in bed and uh, or settle down for the night, I'll like lie down on the sofa and get my phone out and just be glued to that for an hour yeah. or like you know link it to the TV and watch like a bunch Chill. of clips and just like tune you know, out wow <laughs> so necessary man I don't know I just I've been thinking because I have my, my, my past guest uh, Evie is also a community she was a, she's a community development and social worker yeah. teacher um, supporting refugees you know mm. and and uh, you know, she made reference to the, you know, the the vast inequities that she sees, and said, I think I don't know if she said this off the mic, but she said that you know sometimes she has days where it's like, the problem's too big. I wonder if I'm making any difference. Is that are these thoughts that sometimes come come over you? Yeah. Uh, look, I'm a man of metaphors. Um, oh, I, I remember <laughs> I remember seeing this thing when I was doing some studies for my master's of social work. I think I was doing. Anyway, there was a quote that said, "Like you've got um, you've got two choices. You can either stay on the ship with the, all the holes in it uh, and try to try to or patch up those holes to keep it afloat, or you can find another ship and get off and do that." But um, I think at the time I actually did jump ship and went from like child protection to working in early intervention with families. Uh, but I don't know, the call back was too strong, man. I came back and felt that this was a place where I could, you know, make, make a bit of a difference. And, um, and yeah, like it, something that it, it, it does feed your soul too. It's a, like, whilst it is mm. stressful and horrible, um, I don't know what else I would do. Yeah. Was there anything when you're growing up? I want to do this. You know, it's a pretty typical A question. But was there? Not really. Like I was. Um, for me, I wanted to. I wanted to get into advertising, or be a a travel agent. I thought those were really glorious, glorious wow. things. And um, but then when I. In, in my gap year between leaving school and, and, and I didn't really know what to do, I went to this foreign aid project over in the Solomon Islands and it was for three months over there, like painting hospitals and, you know, sanitation and 
doing some. We actually did. It was weird. His this is eighteen year old Tim doing like sex education talks to uh, a whole bunch of um, high school students in pidgin English. Uh, wow. You know, there was the condom on the banana demonstrations and stuff like that. And then this one guy came up to me after the session and goes, so, so how many times can you use the condom? And I go, oh, once, man, and then throw it away. And he's like, he did like Ooh. the, he did those eyes. I'm just like, whoops, <laughs> that's pretty grim. <laughs> so maybe that was it. Um, I mean, I grew up in a pretty redneck racist town. And I wonder if that part of that oppression, the stuff that I saw there and like, triggered me to want to do something yeah, where did you grow up uh a place called tamworth just on the on the edge of tamworth um it's a country music capital mm-hmm. so geographically Golden. it's inland australia yeah it's about five hours from the coast um about six hours from sydney northwest yeah new south wales very dry uh had terrible skate parks as a kid growing up there was one metal mini so we just used to skate the drains and the and schools when you can, you know. Sick. And that was all we had. Yeah, just a quick note of reference. That's rain, and it's beautiful rain. Mm, very nice. It's a little bit noisy, but I think uh, I don't think it's going to affect the audio too much. But atmosphere. It's atmospheric. Just Tim can um, speak you to sleep in the very nicest way possible. Mm-hmm. Like a, I would listen to you. Feel your eyebrows. See that. Relax. Got the golden tonsils. Soften your gaze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how would you reflect on your childhood in Tamworth overall? Good memories. Yeah, it was all right. It was good. I mean, it's like a, not the biggest town. I mean, back then it felt enormous. Uh, I've been back there like once or twice in the past ten years. Fantastic new skate park there, actually. Why was that there when I was a kid? <laughs> um, but um, and now it seems really small. It seems yeah. tiny, and uh, the streets are really, really wide. It's like five semi-trailers side by side could go down like just your normal suburban street. It's crazy big. Everything's spaced out. But, yeah, I, I think that I um, there's no draw for me to go there anymore. I mean, I've got a couple of mates who still live back there, but there's no reason to, to revisit it. Parents still there? No, they're up in, they're up in Sydney. Okay. Yeah, so they're up uh, near um, near Hornsby, and uh, I get up there as much as I can. It's been pretty crappy with like lockdowns and shit, but mm. it's been nice to get up to see them a bit now. How would you reflect on your school days out there? Uh, I was a bit of like a class clown. No, uh, teachers say that. Teachers probably <laughs> like you know got nervous ticks over me being in their class. <laughs> I was a bit of, bit of a dick. Um, yeah, sorry. Sorry to all of those teachers. Uh, I just, I got away with the bare minimum uh, as a student. I sort of just, I wasn't, I was an average student, never like, didn't super excel at anything um, except for the stuff like English and art. Um, maths and science was more like opportunities to like, just send messages to girls and or like draw weird shit into my in the corner of my book and I remember once I was talking to my daughter actually she had a science class where they cut up a cow's heart and I said oh I remember doing that and then we got some lungs and the dude who I was sitting next to he attached them to like the tap and he turned the he filled the, the gas, cow the cow's lungs tap. no like no, the water the water tap and he like he full on gunned it 
and then these lungs just exploded with water all over the room. It was one of the grimmest high school moments, but it's burnt. It's burnt right in there. Yeah. <laughs> PTSD from that, maybe? A little bit. A little bit. I, you know, maybe that's what turned me vego. <laughs> Are you vegetarian? Uh, mostly. mostly. Damn you, wicked wings. <laughs> that's, it's my, it's like, that's my secret that's shame. not meat anymore, dude, so you're fine. That's my secret shame. Like, yeah, What's but, the desire to be vegetarian in the first place? Oh, dude. Um, Ethical reasons or health yeah. reasons or both? Uh, not health reasons. I'm not a particularly healthy person. I Yeah, I'm not really big on animals suffering for our benefit, really. Yeah. Um, and it's more, probably higher than that is environmental impact of like growing uh, pigs and cows for food. Like that's not, not really good, not very energy efficient and... There's a lot of pollutants that come from that. Yeah, that's that's one aspect of the meat industry that I think people forget is that the environmental impact it has to grow grow meat or grow cows and, you know, the water and the, the energy that's used to produce is just massive. All the methane. and yeah. Methane. Mm. And there's, there was this scientist I had on the podcast from the UK once uh, when I was at the Green School. He was a guest speaker and environmentalist and he was a vegan for ethical reasons, for animal cruelty, but he decided to take a different pro- approach to advocate for the non-eating of meat. And he started up this campaign called the Hashtag No Beef campaign, and it was purely focused on the environmental impact. So he was trying to, like, sort of advocate through that aspect, you know, and then then slip in the ethical reasons not to do it. But just purely for the environmental reasons, it's so beneficial. Oh, and I'd never tell anybody else what to do. Do it. Go out there, enjoy it. Love your burgers. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I don't want to push it on anybody else. I, so hopefully I didn't sound preachy there. Yeah. But, yeah, you just do it. You find your own way, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Personal choice. Yeah, yeah. I'm pro-choice for, like, all that kind of stuff. Your, are your family also vegetarian or? Uh, no, just me. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I've actually – I find – because I've been, I've, I've not eaten meat for long periods of time um, and attempted to go vegan, but not completely successfully. I know for me, I got really drained of energy and I just was tired all the time. Yeah, you ever experienced that? No. I was no. going to say, Tim has an abundance of energy. Too much energy. <laughs> You're trying to like turn down the energy? We yeah. could farm energy out of him if you wanted to. I get, I get pretty pent up. Like, I need to skate. The rain, rain is not my friend. So frustrating. I mean, the rain's nice, but there's also no surf today. So I can't skate. I can't surf. It's like, oh, I might as well do a podcast with Tim and Ryan. That is Plan B. <laughs> if you say we've been cooped up for a week, do you have another outlet that you go? Okay, this this will save me until I can go skating or get outside again. Uh, that's I've, I. Do you know what? I need a new hobby. Mm. I think that that's my thing because I put all my eggs into that that basket. Um, look, I like to chill. I like to drink a couple of beers and you know watch movies and hang. Like it, having uh, having kids, they they're pretty time consuming. So if it's like this, then I'm playing Lego or uh, Griff just learned how to play chess and then was beating me within a week. Awesome. So. I'm not good at chess, but still, he's he's seven. Dude. Damn, yeah, I know, right? 
Um, yeah, so just, I guess, chilling and hanging. We got, I got my dog, well, my daughter's dog, and uh, recently got guinea pigs. What a mistake. I uh, lo- like, I they're, they're I... lovely little things. They're great, but they live, like, and we have them free-ranging on the lawn. Their turds get stuck in your trainers. Impossible to get out. I heard they were low-maintenance. Uh, yeah, they are. They're, like, so built, to, they're food for other animals. They're That's prey. what they are. They're, they're in the, they're not... High up the food chain. They attract other animals. Like, they, do they attract snakes? They they attract my dog, who's just completely <laughs> fixated on them. Like he stands there with drool dripping off his. Trying face. to eat them. Uh, he would if he could. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I heard they're easy. My friend's got them. She's like, they're the best. They're the best pets. They're so easy. Oh, they are. They're lovely, except trying to clean their little hardened logs out of like the tread in your trainers. So you let them roam around the backyard. Oh, got them in a thing. Because if we, when the dog's not around, they have a little bit of a roam. Enclosure? They don't. They don't. Yeah, they've got an enclosure, but they don't. Um, if they were to to roam free, um, they like like going underneath boxes and stuff like that. So they don't like the an open meadow to frolic in. They mm. they like having a bit of cover. Describe pre children, Tim. Oh, he's a maniac. <laughs> what do you mean maniac? I don't believe it. Have you ever been arrested? Um, <laughs> are we going to bleep this out? No, uh, no I've, got, I've got a few. That sounds like a yes. No, I've never been arrested. Like it's I used right. to go to. I used no to go, judgment. I used to go to a lot of like protests and stuff mm. like that. So I've been in regards to what? Uh, environmental stuff, um, Aboriginal rights, front lines, and that. Uh, yeah, I, I got got in there. Got um, manhandled by the cops a number of times and. Chucked into paddy wagons, but they sort of always just let me out at the end. And why, why are those causes close to your heart overall? I mean, uh, well, were they close to your heart before you became a social worker, especially, yeah. you know, the inequities of minority groups such as, you know, our Aboriginal elders? Or all, all Aboriginal people, yeah, but, but yeah, all First Nations people First around Na- the world, they, they're all getting gypped pretty much. Um, but I, I think that... Um, the human rights is my big one. Shout out Amnesty International. That's probably the... Oh, there's a couple of things which I have a monthly donation to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's uh, one of the things too, is like advocating for people that don't have that power. Amazing, dude. Mm, so that's probably, yeah. Again, the world is not fair. Humanitarian to your core? Oh, I try to be. Like sometimes I'm a super selfish prick. I don't, I, I don't think I don't people like, you know, I don't want to paint myself as a, this super nice guy. Mm. There are times where I'm just like, duh, yeah. duh. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Why, why is the milk on that side of the table? Oh, <laughs> my God. When you're addicted to someone, though, do you go into shame? Yeah, yeah, totally. Afterwards, I feel, yeah, I feel awful about it. Guilt? Yeah. Are you good at saying sorry? Hell yeah. I am. You say sorry? I say sorry to you for having a boring podcast. Jeez, thank you. I was just sitting thinking. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. It's, 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 some people find it really hard to say sorry, and Fuck there yeah. are times like you don't want to. You don't want to do the sorry and not mean it. I, mm. I think that you have to explore why you're actually saying it. Has that been the key to a strong marriage? Uh she's. We're still together. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen okay. years is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I've said sorry many times. Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, and I guess I want to lead in a little bit with that because going back to the work you do, you're seeing broken families. And do you think that, you know, broken families are the foundation of child neglect? 
Like if more couples could actually work it out, do you think things would be the world would be a better place? No, I think that I think that if, if uh, you know parents split up or you know live separately, if they can have a respectful, they can still show respect to each other in front of the children, and you know maybe you have new partners and that kind of stuff, and show the children that they're loved by lots of different people, then that that that's fine. I think that the bitterness and stuff that people hold on to when relationships end because they weren't well suited or one person or both people in the relationship, you know, did things to each other, which was really hurtful then. And the children see that, you know, parents are children's greatest teachers and that's how they learn about the world and relationships. They, you know, so there's a big responsibility there. I'm not saying that people should stay together if things are horrible in their, in their relationship. And, you know, some people are much better to be apart and to, um, can still be really good mums and dads. So, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's the essence of it. If you're holding on to hate and you're, you know, bringing your, bringing your ex-partner down in front of the children or setting them up or just making lots of subtle and, you know, narky remarks about the other person's parenting, then that's, that's not going to help the kids at all. You think that's going to cause the damage, not, not the actual separation? Uh, people, kids can bounce back from anything. Anybody can bounce back from anything if they've got the right support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's easier for some people to bounce back than others, depending on how much stress and the, how big the the situation was, how how traumatic or terrifying or whatever it was. Mm. But the thing which helps people heal is relationships. You know, having yeah. people around that care about you. That's right, Tim. You said that yeah. parents are children's greatest teachers, but conversely, would you agree if I said that children are parents' greatest teachers? Oh, they're, they're the greatest motivation to be better than you are yeah, now. Yeah, good call. Yeah. I, we do, like, by seeing how children um, interact when, like, say if you're in a mood or something and um, you go like, oh, man, I'm t- totally sick of that. If you hear your child using those same words, especially if they're swear words, <laughs> uh, then you're sort of going, oh, no, wow, they they learned that from me and I don't – do I want that for them? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, another serious question. I'm sorry to do this to you, but I just think it's interesting to me and maybe other people, when you mess up in front of your kids, so let's say you do drop a bad, bad, naughty word. I don't know if you've ever done that. Or or worse. Weekly basis. Or or, or worse. Or worse. How do you approach that with your children? Or do you just pretend it never happened? Oh, no. do Do you actually, do you approach, do you actually like, Oh, that, acknowledge it and, and take it on Oh you've got to look for those Turn it into a teaching opportunity yeah. About going Oh do you know what Dad did something really stupid then I wish I hadn't done that mm. I hope it didn't hurt your feelings Are you okay Yeah uh, You know Can do that I know I've uh, There have been times where You know Having a teenage daughter Can have a bit of stress And there's definitely times Where I will Have not been the more mature one In the situation You know When doors are slammed And I go How dare you slam your door uh, and, you know, lose my rag a bit at that and then sort of like, do you know what? She was just trying to tell me that she's upset and that she's annoyed about something mm. and um, whatever and I should get off my high horse and give her some space. Which is empathy. Yes. A bit of empathy. Dude, it all comes back to empathy and, and relationships. Like, oh, no, interactions. Like mm. empathy and, and how you're interacting. I just think... I really just want to advocate for kindness in the world at the moment. I mean, there's so much division at the moment. For me personally, I'm just really noticing more division in our society than ever, especially given the very 
tenuous political climate that's ensued uh, of, of the last couple of years. Mm. And uh, I think it all comes down to just like people being kind and not wanting to be right. Would you agree? That's a beautiful sentiment, Thanks, Sean. I think I want to get that tattooed on me somewhere. Dude, I'll do it for you. I've heard of, I heard of a thing called a stick and poke, poke and stick. Oh, that's, I've that, never heard. Of, I've never heard of them till recently. That's how I got my. That's how I got my first tattoo in well, the Sol- just, in the Solomon Islands. It's just a needle dipped oh, in tradition, ink. Traditional one. It wasn't even in ink. It was like uh, uh, charcoal, mm. charcoal mixed with water. Have you got it? Yeah. Where is it? It's on my arm. You want to see it? Yep. Show the camera. <laughs> Oh no, he's taking his shirt off. Oh, is that it? Oh, that's actually pretty neat. Yeah. Um, How long did that take? Uh, it took probably about like I don't know, twenty-five minutes or something. It was done by uh, my uh, my 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 now brother. I got it was the, the circle in the middle means a water well, so it's like for Tuvu tribe. So, so I it's got, got meaning. Yeah, I got initiated into. Well, it wasn't initiated into the tribe. I was sort of an honorary dude mm. in the tribe. See, yeah. you're so humble. I bet you because they just loved you. Uh, what maybe. tribe? What do you remember? What? Yeah, they were called Tuvu tribe Tuvu. in um in it's in the Solomon Islands. So rad, yeah, it's pretty cool. So rad, pretty cool. Learning. See, I knew it's a bit of a bit of a weird thing to do, being like nineteen and in a first time overseas, and um you know getting caught up with the culture and all that kind of stuff, and then getting tattooed and sort of going, oh, I hope my arm doesn't fall off because I'm like. <laughs> A long, long way from anything that would be remotely like a hospital here. Like a tropical staph infection happens or something. Yeah, it was in the, it was in the ocean every day and like, yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, here's how, how did you end up there again? So you finished high school? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of, I'd finished high school and um, I thought, yeah, I want to do a social work degree, but I was like not really sure and, you know, it's like 18 or 19 and... I think I just needed to have a bit of fun, so I moved to moved to Sydney from the country. Um, oh no, sorry, I went to the Solomon Islands first, and when I got back, I was like, I feel more manly now. I feel like I'm a man of the world. I'm moving to <laughs> Did this you get initiated. City. Yes, still everything's intact down downstairs. We're all good, uh, but um, yeah, the tattoo is 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 legit. Uh, yeah, so I felt felt I did feel a bit more like. Um, Independent after you know that that moving out of home thing is a is a pretty big marker. Yeah, it is. Hey, yeah. But and then it's like, what, how long did you stay there for in Solomon Islands? A uh, year? No, it's about three months. Three yeah. months, and then you came back and went to university. Uh, I think I had like about um, that was when I moved to the city uh, with my my awesome mate Josh. Uh, yeah, Josh Vegans lives Josh in Melbourne. Vegans. He's an absolute legend. Uh, yeah, we, we grew up skateboarding together as kids and then he moved to the city first and I came down and crashed on his sofa for a little while and this was like, oh my God, I can just skate every day. Just skate every day and get, get toasted and then go skateboarding again. And Oh my God, I don't have any money. Oh crap, I've got to get a job. <laughs> so my brother got me a job. You know the Hard Rock Cafe? There was like, yeah. I don't know if they still exist anymore. No, they do, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, was, that, that was my first job uh, in the city and I was like, scruffy, stinky skater kid in there. I was going, oh, my God, paychecks, money, skateboards, beer. <laughs> it was, like, wicked. 
Because <laughs> I often ask people, like, I really believe that that transitional year from like when you finish high school, that year after is is just I think it's a really crucial year in a lot of people's lives. You know, you you're out in the real world. Some people do just know exactly what they want to do, but mm. it's a real time of discovery and and also just awakening. You realise that the world is hard and you do need money to do mm. stuff, even have fun. So. I remember, I remember, like it scraped together the the money from like our study or whatever, and go to like the the record shop because I moved in with my my buddy Ed, and he had turntables. I go, all right, we're all going to be DJs. <laughs> we're all going to be DJs. So like you go, you get the you go, all right, because like digging through the box, you get like twelve, um, like twelve. Uh, um, seven inches or some 12 inches or something, go and listen to them all and just go like listen to it and then take them home and like play the crap out of them and learn how to beat mix and do all that kind of stuff. And like, oh man, we've got to get some gigs so we can actually pay for this. Then we get gigs that where you get like paid 50 bucks and it's like, we just spent $200 on vinyl. <laughs> for that Not cost gig. effective. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good business plan, no. Start somewhere though, don't you? Why'd, why'd you guys give up on that? Just because it wasn't financially viable? Uh, we, we, uh, it you was burnt, we, you burnt out, didn't you? We moved on, and like uh, my my mates still DJ uh, a lot. Uh, like they've got like some nice rigs at their house, so it's good to have a bit of a play around. But everything's like, you know, um, using phase and all these other different types of DJing stuff now. So programs, yeah, you don't need vinyl anymore. No, vinyl's just a beautiful decoration. Do you think it sounds different though in real life? It does. Yeah. But you know, it's grainier. Is it? Is that? Is that better? I don't know. I, look, I. What do you think? I, I I would like to be a traditionalist and sort of go. Yes, vinyl is is the bomb, but there is so much more that you can do, and so much more fun that you can have. I think with like being able to loop stuff and mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think there's a grainy filter too that you can put on the music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you can totally make it. it sound like that for sure. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit sad. Yeah. Something about the vinyl though, it just looks sick when you're like pulling it out of the pulling it out of the sleeve. It is good. Oh my god! It, but scratching that, the needle. That is so awkward when you are out at a, at a club or something. Going, oh man, I need this record now. <laughs> Whereas you can just like scroll. There it is. Boop, it's in. You know. So it's like work smarter, not harder. Yeah, love to. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want it to be hard work. No. Nah. I don't want it to be hard work to find the record when it's hard work to mix the record. <laughs> And you don't, to, don't have, even have to listen to, you know, to get the speeds right. You're just yeah. like, beep, I need it at 123. Did you have moments, though, in that period where you would you would get the place jumping? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, we used to DJ World Bar and a few places in the cross. And nice. I remember World Bar. Club 77. We had a, remember we Club had a, 77? Yeah. We had Down a, on William Street. Yeah, we had, yeah, a, yeah. we had a few nights going on around. It's pretty fun. We used to, the best, though, was there was a cafe called The Lounge. Up on uh, Crown Street, maybe, and Surrey Hills. Yeah, in Surrey Hills, and uh, it was like just this real lazy Sunday groove. And we didn't get paid; we got paid in like food and booze. But we would just chill there, and everybody would just come and lie around on all these cushions and lounges. It was the best. What yeah. would be your go-to tune? Like, you'd be like, all right, I need to put this on. You didn't have one. Oh, I don't know. It was always sort of some low-tempo hip hop. Chill, chill hip hop trip, trip stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So much. Where, Dude, do, you, where do you even start? So I kind of, I kind of like Handsome Boy Modeling School. Oh. That song Breakdowns probably a good one to throw on. So you had that phase, and then shortly after you went to uni. 
Um, I was that phase was lasted about eight years, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you go to uni then? Were you mature? I shouldn't. No, no, the uni was in amongst all of that. Okay. okay. And um, yeah. yeah it's, it was, was kind of cool. I had to, while I was at uni, I got a job working for this youth housing organization, which was pretty sweet. So I was getting paid and and, okay. and uh, studying. and Sick. Yeah. Within the university campus? It was pretty close by. I went to, you know, New South Wales Uni. Yeah. It's uh, like Randwick. Yeah. Mm, so I was just down the road from there. Sick. And in what phase did, if you don't mind me asking, like how did you meet your lovely wife? Oh, man. Tell I was us just, the story. It was, I was just pure luck. Really? really? Yeah. Luck or fate? I don't believe in fate. Why not? Because I've watched the Terminator movies. <laughs> no fate, but what we mean. <laughs> I don't know. I think that... I, I don't... You don't I, believe in... I, no, I'm serious. Do you believe in like miracles and fate and stuff like that? No. You don't? You don't believe that the... If I said there's no coincidences in this life, would you believe that? No. Really? I'd say that there is... Million coincidences happening all the time. You think like we manufacture everything? No. I'm not saying I, the opposite to that. Well, I, 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 we're I think philosophical, can we? Yeah. I, I'm trying to. I just think that. I know, you've done, I know you've done some phil- like I have done philosophy. Th- I, 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 I was trying to do philosophy. Oh, fuck, I can't remember any of it. I did one subject. Shit, I can't. It's been too long. <laughs> bit, bit of Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Yeah. I skate, therefore I am. Mm. <laughs> uh, look, I, no, I don't think that. Uh, this or oh, it all happens for a reason. I think it is just random, random stuff happening as we, you know, stumble our way through our lives and stuff happens. So yeah, I don't have any. What about making your own luck? Yeah, I think if you work hard and try things. But I think that you know stuff can still happen whether or not you have any control over it all. Mm. Really? Yeah. So I thought you'd be a little bit more, I guess, I don't know, spiritual about that sort of stuff. I've got zero spirituality. Really? Yeah. I, what, I, do you mind if I ask why? I believe in nothing. Why? That's not true. What you, believe, you believe what? In, in Santa. <laughs> do you? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but he does. Like, I don't believe him. I don't believe you. What do I believe in? Well, you believe in your fellow humans and mm. working together. Like, it doesn't always have to be in the ether. Yeah. yeah. Well, but where, where do we go when we die? Whoa. What do you think? <laughs> That's the end, man. Yeah, you think it's we, the end? We just well, maybe we, maybe we become dirt. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. Sorry to put you on the spot like that. I'm just curious. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Look, I'm good with it. Like I just look each to their own. Mm. Look, if if religion works for you or faith works for you or spirituality works for you, great. Because that is if that feeds your soul or if there is a soul. Uh, that that that's. <laughs> <laughs> let let that be, you know. But you don't feel like you need that to get through this shitty world, uh, which is also magnificent and beautiful. Yeah, I just don't think that. I, I if I talked about religion, I'd, don't, I I don't think I, I don't, no, or, no, no, or spirituality. No, no, no. I don't want to offend anybody. No, I just no, think that it's. I think that asking your I think that humans like to have a reason for why stuff yes. happens yeah. and, and why yes. why it's so. When they don't have an answer, some. One will make something up, and then that every, that person will tell somebody else, and they'll go, "Oh, okay, that's good enough for me." Uh, yes, and then that will they'll tell their children and their children's children, and all that kind of stuff, and then it becomes something more than it was. Uh, look, science is good. I'm cool yeah. with science. Science tell me how things work. I'm cool with that. And then science go, "Oh, actually, we don't know how that works." 
That doesn't mean it's magic. It just means we don't know yet. Who created yeah. science? I don't think it's not about like being like you believe in science. It, it's not about a belief as in as far as uh, like a system or a, um, a religion or spirituality. But science is, sorry, science is your like, all right, I can see an end result or like a, how have been said? This is a very difficult subject. I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I don't think that, like, I don't pretend to try to understand yeah. everything. Like, I, I don't have the power to, to do that. But um, I think that, like, stuff is put together for, in certain ways, and, but most of it has just been random. Like, evolution, right? Mm. How did a fish become a, a, uh, a lizard, become a, a bird, you know? So, it just, like, stuff happens over time and yeah. evolves. I think it's, in, like, being comfortable not knowing, too. You don't have to know everything. Do you? Do you think so? No, you're right. We do. I think that's maybe the problem with our society is that we have access to too much information. Maybe we should think less and do more. But for me personally, and I think you can speak from personal experience and don't have to worry about offending people, like you said, because I think we all have a right to speak from our own personal experience and, and philosophies. That's a human right. But for me, I enjoy the fairy tale of believing that there's something watching over me or guiding me and um, that's just – and I might go somewhere at the end of all this or my soul and spirit because I feel a soul and spirit inside me personally. Like, I've, And I just like the idea, the fairy tale of, of it, whether it's true or not. I just think for me it just gives me comfort in this, in this life and otherwise I personally don't think I'd function that well in this world if I didn't have that. But I fully accept your stance as well. But I've actually not met too many people like who've said what you said. Honestly, everyone I speak to says they're either religious or they're spiritual, you know, or both. And I, mean, I think religious people are spiritual as well, or they they practice spirituality through religion. But anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know. I read I read this really cool book called um, uh, Religion for Atheists by this guy called <laughs> Alain de Botton. He's like a English Swiss philosopher type of guy you know he's really good uh and like i would love to have that connection to that kind of stuff but i just i can't i just i feel like i can't take it seriously like this something won't let me believe yeah because there's so many benefits in it the way it like um can bring people together like religion i wish religions did more good than harm and because uh, they bring people together in really nice ways with a good purpose generally and uh, but it's that um, exploitation of power and control over people that uh, you know that lack of free will I, I just sort of I don't know yeah. it's not for me that's it. not for yeah. me it's the human condition you know especially when we con- when we congregate this collective consciousness can be so powerful and it gets manifested in churches sometimes in negative ways but i do believe there's a lot of positive that positives that come out of churches too but no, 100%. and religion but i mean i say this all the time it took me many years to realize that you could be spiritual without being religious i was like oh what like i can believe in something else and not have to go to church like yes that's right like i worship my skateboard you know that's my God. No, it's not. But I don't know. Just saying. I believe in your God. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I'm talking shit. I believe in the power of four wheels <laughs> and a slab of wood. No, nah, anyway. It's, I'm, I'm, could, yeah. you go, you Why go. not? 
That's like the great spaghetti monster in the sky religion. <laughs> Those guys are like, you know. Well, I just think it takes the it takes the onus off me because if I if I'm controlling things, I just will end up destroying everything because I'm just a flawed human. But when I it gets me out of myself to believe in something other than me. Does that make sense? Mm. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe that you're awesome, <laughs> and that I love skateboarding with you. <laughs> Oh, man, I didn't think I was going to go this direction, Tim. I didn't, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to get all talk about this stuff. So, big so, questions. So, so deep. It's big questions, Ryan. Thanks, for, big chi- question. thanks for chipping in there. Oh, that's fine. I don't, I don't know the answers to any of these, but it's, I think it's cool to be able to actually have a conversation about it and an adult conversation, which mm. is probably more important in this day and age. Mm. It, it doesn't have to be definitive. You can, you can have a back and forth and go, yeah, I... Understand where you're coming from. It's not for me, but I'll listen to what you have to say mm. and get something from it, or n- not get anything. It's like a, this is like a three a.m. stoner conversation. Fully, why it's not, like, dude? We came back from the club. We have a spliff, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, oh man, reality." I actually haven't had this sort of conversation in ages, though. Like, it's good to do every now and then. Yeah, you know? and, and like, we're not under any influence of anything. I don't know if you uh, are. Like no. A bit of CBD. We've had some CBD today, haven't we? Yeah. Caffeine. Coffee. Caffeine. Yeah, and, I got some butcher. I've got some caffeine, some me garang going around inside of me. Mm. Nice, man. Yeah, man, it's... <laughs> I was, I've completely changed tact. What... Do you like cooking, Tim? I don't know, like... I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I like, I like cooking. Mostly Asian stuff. Really? Yeah. Why Asian what? stuff? Mm. Sorry. There you go. Uh, I would like I was terrible like at uh, looking after myself as a younger bloke and uh, one of my best mates Hung is um, Vietnamese and uh, would get taken around to his mum's house and just fed a lot and uh, just like oh I love that like all these simple soups and like you know this kind of stuff so yeah I like hanging out at the Asian grocery and just going I wonder what this one will do yeah. Yeah. how old were you when you were introduced to to that food? Oh, I was probably early 20s. Okay. Yeah, and um, I remember I was like one of those people who go, oh, I haven't put chilli in it. It ruins it. Mm. Chilli? Oh, t- t- can't even taste the food. You know, one of those guys. <laughs> and then um, now, like everything, everything has got to have some chilli in it. Yeah. Chipotle, jalapeno. It's addictive. Give me that chilli. Anything like habaneros. Ghosts? Like, oh, they've man. gone full... Like that's a, they're they're torch- chilies are like reapers or like the yeah, the, Cal- the Carolina reapers. Carolina oh reapers. man, those things are brutal. I've had it. I've done the dip the pinky in to have one drop mm. on the tongue from some crazy sauces. <laughs> just going like, okay, so that's pretty painful. Mm. You know, I'm not I'm not like a I'm not like a chili baron or anything mm. like that. But yeah, look, I like some. I like to spice it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting. Like I was wondering what period you were like introduced to that sort of food because. Growing up, I didn't have a lot of, like, it was pretty meat and veg, mm. occasional yeah, curry and stuff like that. But uh, one of my best friends was adopted from South Korea and he had, like, kimchi or sushi and stuff like that when I was, like, 13, 14. And we go over and like, what the hell's happening here? But it fully opened my mind to that food and I still go, oh, I'll try new food and I'll... 
Whereas I think a lot of people don't even get a chance to do that. I had zero exposure. Like Tamworth mm. had two Chinese That's restaurants, what I was wondering. Mm. and it was country Chinese. <laughs> like, and uh, you know, ooh, what, chicken what, chicken chow mein, fried oh, rice. That's a bit exotic. Was it, were they in the RSL club as well? It was like you know how like oh, I no, we didn't we didn't have that foreign food in our RSL. No mate, no, yeah. I wouldn't have had that back then. I always found that funny. Like even as a kid, I was like we're in the RSL. And the restaurant in the RSL is the is the Chinese restaurant. You know, I don't know. It's just a bit of contrasting cultures. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird one. It is a weird one. I just want to go back to one thing about the spirituality stuff. What I find interesting about you is I see a very content and happy human, um, who is doesn't need feels the doesn't feel the need for something to help you with that. Does that make sense? Uh, I don't know. I'm not. All, I'm not happy and content all the time. No. Um, but, but generally, uh, uh, I think that my life is pretty good. I mean, everybody has their struggles. Yeah. Like, um, you know, it's a constant dilemma for you know my my wife Clem. You know, she's English, and the pull to go back to England all the time mm, is like, oh man. So what's her name? Uh, Clementine. <sighs> it's my daughter's name. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Well, man, you've got you've got fantastic taste. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't met many Clementines, if, if any. Yeah, well, that's right, mate. They're amazing humans. I, Tell as far do you as call I know. her Clemmy or Clem? I call her lots of things. <laughs> Clem stuff. <laughs> the, the Cleminator. <laughs> What's your favourite movie, Tim? Oh, I know this one. Oh, I think I do. Fa- not skate movie, just favourite movie. Come on. A uh, bit of a Star Wars nerd. Boom. <sighs> Empire. Okay. Empire Strikes Back. All right. Favorite. Favorite. Could, could watch that every day. Favorite skateboarder of all time. All time. Yep. Um, Pick one. Don't sit on the fence. My, fav- my favorite dude at the moment is probably Figgy. Oh, I love that guy because that he can take a slam. That guy, like oh, he takes them like resilience. And like gets resilience. Up, and he gets up and smiles. Like that, like that America video that just came out, and he like takes those massive slams and he's like, mm, you know, I'm good. Mm. Like blood on his face mm. and. Uh, and he just has the rad style. He's a bit of a war horse, isn't he? Just yeah, he's gnarly. Yeah. He's talented too, but you can tell like what about he likes he, to put himself He in has to work. He works for it. And um, I guess that's kind of a bit like me. Like my nickname for myself is 100 tries Tim mm. because <laughs> if, no. there's a, if there's something I really want to get, even if it's like dumb, I'll just one more try, one more try. One Have more you try. always been so persistent? Uh no, but I was probably a little bit more competitive as a kid, like, you know, playing soccer and stuff like that. Aggressive? But uh, not aggressive. I, I used to, I did some martial arts stuff, which I was pretty a bit aggressive in. Yeah. I don't think you're 100 tries, Tim. You did that 50-50 at Berkeley across the, oh. the, uh, the, the big flat bank and you went over the... What do you call that? The mani pad that's on the fucking flat bank with the little oh, that, that long yeah, that yeah. long flat one, yeah, the long flat one where you dropped onto it and just. I've never that was an, I've never seen anyone do that. Yeah, that didn't take hundred tries. Oh, I probably took I've five. Got the video for you. <laughs> I'm going to repost that. I love that, dude. I was so stoked. <laughs> I was stoked. Big oh, metal on metal grinding. Oh, it's the best. Then Why metal on concrete grinding? Scratchy. Yeah, mm. it's, it's a different vibe, hey. Yeah, but I, yeah. Man, best feeling in the world. Yeah, if you had to, if you had to choose, um, you know, trainees or street transitions or street, what's your, what would be your go-to trainees every so, time? So you gave my age away before. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an old man. 
I cannot skate street. I've seen you. I've skated street with you, man. I've seen oh, you, you know, can, doing all sorts of crazy oh, shit. I can barely get off the ground. No, I'm, I chuck me in a chuck me in a mini ramp, and I'm happy. Yeah. It's Sometimes I love big things, dude. Like, yeah, big, just that's what she said. Just. <laughs> Sorry, it's too easy. I've been watching The Office reruns. Anyway, I keep going. <laughs> yeah, just like it, it, for me, a thing that'll like be super stokeful is uh, <laughs> getting, getting, stu- getting stoked out. Is like, is like uh, just dropping in on something massive. Like when I mm. dropped in a, a monster a few months ago, that was one of the biggest things I've dropped in. And just doing the dropping was a, like I was like, that was awesome. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, the, the psych up. To do that, and we were there with um, Luke Russell, and he was doing head high five forties. Yeah, and we're the only people there, and yeah, you were just like, "This kid's doing this." I'm jumping in, and you were like, "So frothing!" Yeah. Like the froth was. Like, yeah, how big that, that? That's a vert ramp. It's what twelve it foot. Is it twelve foot? And I think it was still probably the biggest uh, vert ramp in the southern hemisphere. Yeah. It's big. Oh, it's freaking Were huge. It is so pads? scary. Yeah, I had my knee pads on and my, my helmet. Had my lid on. Yeah. That is your go-to. Yeah. Like, if we go to a, a park, you pretty much were like, oh, what's the biggest thing to go drop in on? I like to do like that. I did that. Yeah. I did that on my mancation. When I go on my mancation, like, once a year, but it's been on a bit of hiatus. By yourself? Yeah, just jump in the car and throw a couple of boards in the back and something to sleep on and... Yeah. How long how, and how long do you go away for? Uh usually only like four days maximum, but just without go without the family. Yeah. Like it's yeah, I know, it's a bit of again, privileged man. But uh it's kinda cool to just to get out there and just have, you know, be able to drive it at your own pace, stop whenever you want and yeah. um listen to whatever you want and I think it's rad. It's cool to do that by yourself too. Like be able to go I don't need anyone else. Be motivated and Yeah. Can be a little Enjoy bit your own company. Can be a little bit scary when you're in some isolated skate park sure. in the middle of like nowhere with nobody else around. So I go, oh, how hard can I go today? <laughs> Do you get lonely? Uh, not on those trips. No, not at all. Really? Yeah. Like, why, why do you feel like you need it? That uh, I, I think it's like a um, I don't know. Again, it's something which tops up the batteries. It's a bit of like just having that focus for a little bit of time. And yeah, it didn't, maybe it is a bit selfish. It's one of those things oh. that just like, this is for me. But I mean, do you think it's then making you a better father and, and husband? Uh, Clem gives me a nudge sometimes when I'm like seeming a bit edgy at home. And so I was going, oh, look, all oh, the sun's out. You should go for a skate. It's like, oh, I must be getting annoyed. <laughs> so, um, and when I come back, I'm like, I, I, I feel that I'm a much nicer human to be around. So. And so she's supportive of you doing those things because she knows it makes you, you know, it's, it supports you, helps to support your mental health. Oh, 100%, yeah. And like, you know, I'm really lucky. You know, she needs time to do her stuff because she does amazing art. And um, so it's about just making sure that she gets the opportunities to recharge her batteries as well. She's an artist. Yeah, her yeah. name's Clementine. See, my daughter is obsessed with art, and I call her an artist all the time. Mm. Dude, they got to meet. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Well, what's next for you, man? What's next? What's on the agenda? Well, what's next for you in life? Like, you know, you've, you've got the secure job. You got the, you know, the family, and you know, um, you got your hobbies. Like, you know, like, where do you see yourself in, in the next? 
few years time or the or the future or you have you achieved it are you living the dream oh man never never stops growing i'd really like to get a chunk of land i want to get a motorbike i want to get a dirt bike yeah. have you grown up with bikes not really like mm. i had some mates with farms and i go and like you know do some skids uh <laughs> <laughs> as a kid but then i had i had like a road bike uh i had a couple of road bikes in my in my 30s um but then, you know, just sort of gave that away, moving back and forth between here and the UK. Mm. And um, But now my little boy's on, like, you know, cooking around on his Wee 50. So I'm like, oh, man. Right. I want to get a dirt bike. So good, man. Yeah. Do, you, do you think it's flipped? You know, like most, I think, I'm not a father, but being there, be like, oh, I wish if my son is interested in skating, we can go skate together. Flipped it the other way around. Griff's like, "Oh, I'm into bikes." You're like, "I'm going to start riding a bike." I got, I got, I got no power over him. He's, I was <laughs> yeah, like, not that I was, you would I was try. Like, I know you wouldn't try that. Let's skate, dude. And he's like, "I will never skate." Oh, like, oh it's devastating <laughs> when you hear that. That's what my daughter said to me about surfing. She's like, "I'll never surf." I was like, "Oh god." Yeah, he probably will. But yeah, no, like yeah. I, I did, yeah, he's totally got me hyped on 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 bikes. He's really good on two wheels. That's cool, awesome, man. You got to nurture that, hey, whatever they're Please interested in. Please be careful, in. though, Tim. I'm not very good at being careful. I've got, uh, I've got x-rays of like 90% of my body, I think. Really? <laughs> Many broken bones in the past? Uh, yeah, I've had, I've had a few. The worst was I'd, I'd learned... I'd, where were we? We're in the city one night. Um, there's a handrail near... Oh, it was just down from Martin Place. I can't remember the name of the building. And I was like... Uh, I was like... I uh, like had, a, had a shot at it and like landed the first time. I'm going, I'm going to do that again. Like ran back up the stairs... Didn't take, get enough of a run up. One push, my foot wasn't on the board properly. Mm-hmm. Front trucks clipped the rail on the way oh. up, landed on my tailbone no. right on the end. Just managed to to, to keep the uh, the spuds free, but like <laughs> did a land right on my tailbone. And for a whole semester of uni, I was sitting on a pillow with a oh. broken tailbone. Sucked. No, that's way, that's yeah. one of the most annoying and embarrassing ones. Yeah, that one would be embarrassing. They take so long to heal. Dude, because you sit a lot. Yeah, you do, man. They take ages. Mm-hmm. Them and I find wrists take ages to heal. Too many moving parts. Yeah, especially that little bone in the in there, the scaphoid. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, because that's the one you bust when you fall like that, and then it just takes. It's pretty common for skateboarding, snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've had this one put together a few times. Have you? Mm-hmm. Crazy man. Well, listen, bro. It's been epic. It's been like such a pleasure and uh, it's, it's actually good to get to know, see a different side of you because I've only ever really seen just like frothing skate side, but I knew there was like much more to you. So you scratched beneath the surface. Dude. <laughs> dude Scratch like, and sniff. Yeah. <laughs> it stinks in here. <laughs> oh man, I don't even want to picture that image Sorry. as hectic. Dude. Apologies. Anyway. He smells good. Yeah. Yeah. Tim smells great. I'm clean. He is. Yeah? Yes. Nice. Would your wife say the same thing? Uh, she'd tell me that, you know, time to get some new trainers because <laughs> these ones get a bit stinky. <laughs> Listen, Tim, I ask all guests to come to the podcast with a, call, a cause they want to support or advocate for. Uh, I mean, you mentioned earlier Amnesty International, which I think is like an epic cause. And I've actually had someone from Amnesty International on this uh, podcast, Manisha Todd. If you hear this, if you're out there. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to support or advocate for? It could be a charity. It could just even be a philosophy on the world 
or a social enterprise, anything like that. Yeah, well, um, Sorry to put you yes, yesterday was White Ribbon Day. I don't know if you know much about White Ribbon Day, but it's mm-hmm. about men taking responsibility for violence against women, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a absolute epidemic, domestic violence in Australia. Uh, one woman a week dies from intimate partner violence and, you know, countless Sorry. others are uh, hurt by their partners. So um, shout out to White Ribbon um, and... Just that I think it's about us having, as men, taken responsibility for calling it out and, um, you know, talking to our mates about it. Mm. If, like, we see something, we say something. Because if it's, it's, a hidden, it's a hidden blight on our society. And I think that it's one thing that we can take a bit of responsibility to and try to mentor our mates and, and be good mates by telling them what's, what's not okay. Yeah. What do you think is contributing to it? Oh man, toxic masculinity. <laughs> so, co- so okay. So, cultural norms, yeah, or, or, or yeah, cult- cultural yeah. stereotypes. What else? Yeah, culture stress. I think that you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stress on on men to be have a certain um, role in the world, and when they don't feel that they're able to meet those expectations, like financially or socially or whatever it is, um, they take that out on people who have less power than them. And by power, I mean talking about physical power, not like all the other amazing strength that women have. But yeah, just I think that that is, you know, um, it's alert behaviour too, unfortunately, for lots of people. They have seen men oppressing women in lots of different places. And look, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm perfect, uh, but it's something which I'm, I'm working on uh, trying to be, you know, a, a good partner and, and a good mentor to my mates and friends about that stuff. Dude, that's rad that you said that. A lot of dudes would be feel really like I think it's very confronting for a lot of guys. I, and I, I don't think a majority of men set out to be like that. And I think a lot of men actually don't even know why they act out like that. Which is really, again, like it's hard. It's, and I think there's a lot of shame and embarrassment around it. But that's why I wanted to ask you that question. Like, what's contributing to it? I mean. You mentioned those things. I mean, do you, in your line of work, too, is it? I mean, how much is alcohol and drugs playing? Oh my god! I mean, so domestic violence on grand final night, like the hospital admissions for women being beaten by their partners, is like uh, ten times more that's, than usual. That's so yeah. gnarly. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas, those kind of things. Yeah, so al- alcohol's alcohol's a big one. Uh, but yeah, but also I think that with the uh, you know people being in lockdown and not having all the social supports and stuff that they usually would or people like having financial pressures, that can really add to it. It's not an excuse, definitely not an excuse, but um, it adds to some of that context. Yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's good to sort of contemplate what's at the core, at the core of this behaviour. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look at those stats, dude, it's so confronting and undeniable, you know. So, mm. yeah, man, thanks. Well, thank you so much for letting me spill my guts over the last little while. Dude, dude, thank you. I'm not done with you yet, Tim. You're like, you're not, you can't get out of here. And I've got to, I've got to run upstairs because I've got a, I've got a gift for you. Um, I'm, you get a terrible Happy Talks t-shirt for being on the show. Oh, man. Ryan, can you keep him entertained for a minute? I'm going upstairs. Where's, where's, yes. my, where's my drink yeah, bottle? i got dude, the, I got the stick go. already. you got a stick out. Okay, you guys just think of intelligent stuff to say I'm going. Okay. Um, so, how do you feel about the new like Mandalorian and the 
We can just we can just so good. Talk. Oh my god, I love it. I love Boba Fett. Was it the new the new Boba Fett's coming out soon? Mm-hmm. Oh man, Do you know Griff was dressed as like had to go as a character at school, like a movie character. Halloween or something different? No, it was just like dress up Wednesday. Awesome. And he was in his Boba Fett outfit, and I was super stoked on that. Uh, I don't know where he gets influenced from, no. but yeah, but yeah, he's a um, he's a burgeoning uh, Star Wars nerd as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have marathons with him? Or like, would you go? Ah, oh, we're going to watch. You know, May the Fourth, baby. May, May the Fourth is the day. May the Fourth, we will binge. What but yeah, uh, I'm probably. A, I'd like to say I'm a medium, but I'm probably a large around the middle. Large, <laughs> dude. Yeah, keep it baggy. You want, you want grey or white? Uh, grey, please. Gray. Yeah. I think you would have went white. You do like, like I've got so many white t-shirts. Do you have a lot of white t-shirts? Sorry. Want a large one? Uh, I have an XL. Keep it baggy, bro. Baggy, baggy. Yeah. That's what the kids are doing these days. Keep baggy. It, keep it baggy. Uh, grey or white? Uh, I'll go white. Okay. Sharon, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna make that dirty for sure. Thank you, Thank you, Shannon. Appreciate uh, it. I'm feeling the love. We don't have to do any washings. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Organised as always, you know. Gotta get back <laughs> I got, got all the merch. Dude, mm-hmm. there's some merch. Kim does love merch. Dude, are you Remember a merch? We used to come kid? in the shop and like, oh my, this and that. Mm, I love that shop. You didn't answer my question before. So, what's your favourite? <laughs> who's your favourite skater of all time? He did. Figgy of all. Figgy's your favourite. Mm. Come on, man. I mean, Figgy's good. Time. Um. I don't know. I love Ray Barbie. Oh, thank you. I love, no, that's, I a, love, that's a good one. I love Ray Barbie. He said that such a cool <laughs> you style. You remind me of Ray Barbie. What? Yeah. No way. You're styling. So yeah. you like his style? Yeah. All those little um, step-off shove no complies. No oh, comply thingy. I think they originally called 43s. I could what? be wrong. No complies? Yeah, there was a different names for it. Where'd you We're going know? back in the names to just reading way too much about skateboarding. No way. Yeah, and there was a reason... Anyway, we won't get into that, but yeah, no complies. He's good. Mm. And he just looks like he's he should be on a skateboard. Oh, he just and he just loves it. He's yeah. art in motion. He yeah. loves it. Mm. Yeah. Favorite like who what would you say your favorite skate skate brand of all time is? It's probably wearing it. Anti hero. Yeah, I love the hero anti hero stuff. Um My new favorite is Welcome. I love that. Oh, I love yeah. I love that. Their boards and I love their mm. attitude. That's Tori Pudwell and um. No, oh, no, thank, no, that's thank, that's you. thank you. Shit, <laughs> embarrassing. Like, no, Shannon. <laughs> welcome, thank you. Shit, okay. Yeah, well, they got all the good manners. Skateboards. <laughs> You're welcome. You just like good manners. I do like yes. good manners. Good manners are free. Just cool shapes. I know you're about and like graphics are all like crazy and like yeah yeah they're real creative yeah super creative yeah and they're not like. Super, they're not huge either. Mm. So, what about in the local scene? Who's who's your favorite? Oh, what to skate with or just just to get both? Like, I think observe. just to observe. Oh, secretly or otherwise? Yeah, through it through binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sammy when he's got his shirt off, Sam oh, Giles got oh. Wow, <laughs> when he's got his shirt. Which that, is regularly. I know it's all the time. I don't, you know, you don't his shirt, shirts are superfluous in his yeah, life. Yeah, totally. He wears yeah, shirt. Fair enough. Oh, he likes like, to get his shirt off, doesn't he? Yeah, sure he does. Yeah, he's like he's, a supreme athlete. That guy. He's a sweaty beast. He's a sweaty beast. He's but a good one. He's amazing. Um, <sighs> Such an athlete. Who do I like? Who do I like skating with? Um, Not with, but or doesn't yeah with or just observing. Uh, oh, Lloyd. 
Lloyd yeah. style, man. Nice. So good. And, oh, man. And, and the chef, the bromance bros. Oh, oh my God. Oh, they just blow me away. Mm. Shout out to Matt at the Throsby or Ain't Nonna's. I had I ate at his restaurant the other night. Heal mm. oh up too, Matt. We need you back. Dude, best pasta I've ever had. Nom nom nommers. Yeah, Ain't oh, Nonna's. That's what it's called. Ain't Nonna's. I yum, said, yum, why, yum. why is it called like Ain't Nonna's? And he told me the backstory. Because yeah, like, people would come into the restaurant and go, yeah, that pasta was pretty good, but it ain't <laughs> Nonna's. <laughs> you should get him on here. Yeah, maybe. He's a dude. Well, him and I actually like both got Maltese heritage. Yeah. Both really connected. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel his vibes. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, except he skates way better than motherfucker. It's okay. Yeah, that's oh, all right. I'm, I'm not jealous. Well, I am, but I'm I, not. I, I think just, we're all I, jealous I of how heard, good he skates. I just heard okay. that in your voice. I'm not jealous. <laughs> Fuck you, man. I'm not jealous. He yeah. just, oh, he's got, like, again, when we talk about style, him and Lloyd, not just style. Mm. You know, like, just style matters, hey? Yeah. He's, and I think that he, like, Matt's attitude... Yeah, you know, he's got a. He's always got a grin. He's not doesn't take himself too serious. Yeah, like yours, it's infectious. It is because you're like, oh, don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. You're not filming for the last part of the next zero video. <laughs> Brutal, and that's cool. Yeah. You can do that, but I think, yeah, he's like, oh, this is fun. It should be fun, and yeah. it's fun skating with him. Yeah, it is fun skating with him. Oh, it's, it's fun skating fun with you guys. That's a nice way to end, Ryan. Right. You want to finish on something like profound or wise? Well, give us one of your give us one of your quotes or your metaphors. Go on life. Uh, Tim likes skate good. Hey, so before we kick off the podcast, I just want to talk about getting your morning kick in Belmont Coffee. Belmont is owned by skaters, barbers, traders, and musicians. They came together with the idea of creating a co-pilot that's next to you on the late night drives, early mornings on the job site, or a midday pick-me-up. Ethically sourced beans in a sustainable can and ready to go when you are. Use the code THT to score a discount at belmont.com. That's Belmont, B-E-L-L-M-O-T-T dot com.